Marley was dead, to begin with. There's no doubt whatever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it, and Scrooge's name was good upon change for anything he chose to put his hand to. Old Marley was as dead as a doornail. Mind, I don't mean to say that I know, of my own knowledge, what there is particularly dead about a doornail. I might have been inclined myself to regard coffin nail as the deadest piece of ironmongery in the trade, but the wisdom of our ancestors is in the simile, and my unhallowed hands shall not disturb it, or the country's done for. You will therefore permit me to repeat, emphatically, that Marley was as dead as a doornail. Scrooge knew he was dead? Of course he did. How could it be otherwise? Scrooge and he were partners for I don't know how many years. Scrooge was his sole executor, his sole administrator, his sole assign, his sole residuary legatee, his sole friend, and sole mourner. And even Scrooge was not so dreadfully cut up by the sad event, but that he was an excellent man of business on the very day of the funeral, and solemnized it with an undoubted bargain. The mention of Marley's funeral brings me back to the point I started from. There is no doubt that Marley was dead. This must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the story I'm going to relate. This is Dark and Stormy Nights, the podcast where we read the first page, and only the first page, of every novel ever written. I'm your host, Vin LeBate. And I'm your other host, Ben Blattberg. And tonight we're talking about the first page of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, published in 1843. And our guests tonight are Braden Lamb and Casey Smith. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Hi. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, a little Christmas party here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Four people. Mm. That makes a party. Yeah. So what is the version of A Christmas Carol that you grew up with? Uh, I was subjected to the 1950-something Alistair Sim Scrooge in black and white. It's mm. my dad's favorite version, and he plays it every year. That sounds very much like your dad. <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, the, the Scrooge in it is entertaining. He's, he's still cranky, but in a, in a sort of fun, animated way. For the 50s, anyway. <laughs> Especially for the fifties British cinema. Oh yeah, <laughs> there's a there's a scene at the end when he is uh, awakened to the 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 Christmas spirit, uh, and he's dancing around as giddy as a schoolboy, and the uh, the the housemaid is is sort of looking on in bewilderment, and he like goes to the chair to stand on his head, and it's clear that. He just flashed her, and she throws her apron over her face and runs out. So slightly saucy. Hmm. You see, I, I think the definitive one for me when I was a kid was Mickey's Christmas Carol, the Disney one, mm-hmm. which is like an absolute showcase of Disney animation. Yeah. Like, you know, they go all out, even though it's like, it's like a 25-minute special, but like it's one of those ones that has a genuinely fairly scary uh christmas yet to come Mm -hmm. Mm. so that's the one that always sticks with me 
Well, that's always kind of a tradition too, is how far can we go with the, with the spookiness? Mm. <laughs> uh, for myself, uh, I don't really recall like a particular introduction to this story. Um, so I'm going to assume that it was uh, some uh, DuckTales episode uh, <laughs> that was inspired by this. Um, There's a good episode of the new DuckTales that is specifically. <laughs> I, I just always remember like that one point, like when you get a little older and someone's like, oh, like, and this is the story of, of the Odyssey. And you're like, I know that. Like, why do I know that? Oh, DuckTales did that as an episode. Yeah. You know, like Cersei. Why do I know the name Cersei? Oh, right. DuckTales. Yeah, there's an Animaniacs about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's always the, like, you know, uh, public domain works. Oh, right. I remember that from Eek the Cat. <laughs> yeah. I realize in uh, retrospect that I asked this question and half of our uh, panel tonight is Jewish. So <laughs> I don't know if y'all also have a, a different recollection of how this story, like, came to you as a younger person or if it was just so much out there that like, so I, yeah, I'm one of the Jewish persons. I'm sure <laughs> as you can tell by my last name, but, um, but, uh, so Christmas Carol wasn't like a traditional thing in our house at all, but I was actually, when I was eight, um, in a production of a Christmas Carol, uh, that was put on by the, uh, playhouse theater in our city. And, uh, so pretty much like, I know it very well because I spent like four months uh, <laughs> with it, basically. Um, and I played one of the one of the cratchy kids that wasn't Tiny Tim. Um, <laughs> so, so it, you know, um, I mean, it was fun, but uh, but so it's a, a weird relationship with me because I kind of think about it every Christmas, uh, but not not necessarily for its you know religious or holiday connotation so much as. Oh yeah, this is this fun thing I did as a kid. Hmm. Uh, so that's my recollection. Um, and the other thing I remembered was that we had the uh, the um, Ghost of Christmas future was uh, supposed to be super tall. So the guy was on these stilts, which uh, occasionally became slightly dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> See, I remember, like I said, I don't recall ever like not knowing. A Christmas Carol, you know, in the same way that, like, honestly, I don't recall ever, like, not knowing a bunch of actual Christmas carols. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I, in fact, I, I was going to say, like, one of my strongest memories or one, one, one of the uh, touchstone Christmas carols for me uh, is going to be uh, Scrooged with Bill Murray. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Which is 1988. Yep. And like, so I would have been uh, nine ish, let's say, when I saw that. And like, even at that point, like I knew like, oh yeah, this is a riff on, uh, on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, but like, you know, w when did I ever read a Christmas Carol or had it read to me or like, did we, did we perform it at some point in, in school at one of those winter pageants where you, you know, uh, mm -hmm. the, those secular winter pageants where you happen to sing, right. uh, mm -hmm. a variety of, only Christmas carols. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. like, look, we're not saying why the night is holy. We're just saying it's a holy night. Actually, no, yeah. we're, we're going on and saying why it's holy. It's, uh, uh, yeah. It's the second line. <laughs> a certain winter holiday. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. you know the one. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I never know. I never know quite how I feel about like the, like the winter holiday 
aspect. Like when people are like, it's okay, everyone can join in. But I'm like, well, on one hand, that's nice that you're trying to like make space for non-Christians. Uh, on the other hand, also, yeah, you know, it, it's kind of uh, essentially uh, a Christian holiday. Yeah. Oh, ultimately, yeah. yeah. And and there are there are gatekeepers too who insist that it should be <laughs> about the about the the birth of a magic baby and not about uh, spooky trees on fire and uh, right and you know fat men coming down your chimney in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I support a full repaganization if at all possible. <laughs> I uh, so being a, a Jewish kid growing up in a relatively Jewish community, I actually. I was like six or seven, I think, before I realized that Jesus Christ was a person and not just a swear word. (laughs) And I just remember being like really perplexed, like who would name their kid after a swear word? (laughs) (laughs) And and eventually I kind of figured out like it was the other way around. Mm -hmm. The uh, the Mel Brooks 2000 year old man sort of uh, (laughs) reasoning. Right. This is, this is kind of tangential, but uh, did you grow up with Santa Claus as a real mystical figure uh, in your child? Uh, not, not really. Like, I, I guess I don't ever remember reaching a point realize like thinking Santa Claus wasn't real, but also Santa Claus was never like he was that thing for those other people, <laughs> and you know it was the thing that they did the way we celebrated all this other stuff, and I didn't really have an analog analog to it like a thing i I mean i don't maybe the tooth fairy but i don't ever again i don't ever remember really thinking the tooth fairy was real so i guess i don't think i thought enough about it to consider whether it was real or not it was just kind of like part of the mythos of another group Hmm. which was kind of interesting in and of itself but not not in a way that i had to consider like oh is it is really santa bringing the presents is it someone else like i don't know so that's, that's their thing. So it could potentially only be true for them and not objectively true. Well, isn't that most religions? Mm-hmm. Casey grew up in a, a, a relativistic household. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like all Jews grow like everything is very, uh, there's this sort of inherent pragmatism mm. to the religion that seemed that I, I gradually learned was not, uh, universal to all other religions mm-hmm. but you know even even like the big rules it's like oh you fast on this day but if you're sick don't do it and if you're pregnant don't do it like you're not supposed to mm-hmm. um instead of that like you have to do it for your religion no matter what you've got to make the sacrifice to do it it's like no 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 if you're if you're sick just eat just hmm. don't worry about it like that's stupid don't don't make yourself ill for you know for an idea for an idea yeah don't that's that's anathema to at least the Judaism that I grew up with. And I, I, the impression <laughs> yes, I was given was I was fairly universal. There, there is that. There's the like, you know, uh, it, it's so funny. I, I, I may have told this story before, but like, I remember at one point, uh, uh, someone visiting my house put a carton of milk in a different place than I usually do. And my first thought was like, what sort of monster would do this? <laughs> uh, and that that for me was really like the realization of like, like, oh yeah, like even if you try not to, like the things that you grow up with tend to be what you consider normal. Right. So even just like, like, oh, like you make statements about like, oh, well, this is what Judaism is. And then, and then you're like, well, I mean, for, for me, like, you know, on Long Island, 
you know? Right. And it's always funny when you like narrow things down. You're like, oh, well, that's what it was like in New York. And then you talk to someone else in New York who had a different understanding. You're like, well, Long Island. Mm. And you keep like narrowing it down to you're like, okay, in my house. (laughs) Right. And then you're like, oh, well, my dad actually thought something different. So it was just like me and my brother. (laughs) So did did, uh, the did the non-Jews on on this podcast grow up with Santa? I have like zero strong memories of ever thinking that Santa was real or like of like learning Mm. or realizing that he wasn't. So Mm. if anything special was going on in my house or brain, I don't recall. I, I do actually remember when I put it together. I think it, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to, guess at what age I was, but it was probably a year or two later than most other kids. (laughs) Uh, It was like not, not in the, just sort of poking around the house, finding uh, a soon to be present, Mm. a soon to be gift for Christmas and thinking, oh, that'll be cool to get from my parents. And then I open up a gift on Christmas and, and it's from Santa and it's, and it was that gift I saw and thinking, Oh, okay. I see what's going on here. <laughs> I had heard rumblings of this on the, on the playground. <laughs> it was a, um, a little hand puppet of the McDonald's promotional character, Mac tonight. <laughs> who is a so that could probably tell you exactly so, what year that was yeah yeah well, yeah probably yeah probably too late <laughs> uh back tonight yeah he's a um he's the moon jazz performer in a tuxedo whose head is a crescent moon wearing like ray charles sunglasses yeah and performed performed by doug jones oh really yeah that makes sense in retrospect <laughs> also i just i just love the idea of like like let's sell hamburgers with uh, uh a character who's uh like spun off from the mac the knife yeah <laughs> yeah just like yeah burger king quickly turning around their jack the dipper uh, for, for nuggets uh tm tm that's definitely uh something that i think would actually be really successful <laughs> Yeah, just do a whole serial killer. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like that could definitely be like a regional chain restaurant that I don't know about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh boy! Honestly, I think either Ronald McDonald or the King could be mass murderers in their own right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the King probably is just by virtue of being a monarch. I was, yeah. going, oh, oh. I, I was going to say that is the classic. Uh, you know. Like now, who's being naive, K? Like 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 Santa Claus and his elves don't murder people. Now, who's being naive, K? No. Um, okay, so we've invented a new character for and a, a whole new line for uh, McDonald's. Uh, we have talked about Santa Claus. Uh, mm-hmm. We've talked a little bit about Christmas Carol. I think we're done. Good episode, everybody. Yeah, thanks Bye. for listening. Happy New Year. Uh, it is funny, like, I wonder what other holidays have uh, stories or 
in any media so firmly attached to them? Like, is there a New Year's story that's like the definitive, like every year on New Year's we we talk about this or like <laughs> we force children to put on a play based on this? None are coming to mind for me. I mean, th- Thanksgiving kind of. Yeah, but that's just sort of the story of Thanksgiving, usually. Yeah, like outside of their initial sort of origin stories of this is why this day is important. There aren't many other stories that are like passed down and retold that are secondary stories. But isn't, wait, so what, isn't the story of Christmas also the origin story? Like it's. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And and Christmas Carol is a secondary story about that holiday that's been reinterpreted and retold. Like there's no Thanksgiving gift of the Magi. Oh. As far as I know. Well, that's kind of the like, uh, if you know the 30 Rock episode, Leap Day. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Where they talk about the, uh, the, the character of Leap Day William. Mm-hmm. I love Leap Day William. Uh, um, but like, yeah, what else? You know, it, it is funny. Like, yes, Thanksgiving, we force children to reenact our historical fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. Offensive uh, historical fantasy. Mm-hmm. And, and Christmas, in, in some places, of course, is uh, replicated. I mean, especially in, in, in like manger scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in some, in some Christmas um, pageants, right? Where, you know, the, the children are dressed up uh, yeah. uh, as mm-hmm. shepherds and sheep. Yeah, Christmas is the only holiday I know of that has spin-off stories. <laughs> yeah. At least that actually stick around. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's Nightmare Before Christmas. I don't know if that's a Christmas story or a Halloween story. Mm. Yeah, it's both. Mm. It's like... I feel like it was very calculatedly intended to be both. Like you can play it on either holiday. And I guess there's Groundhog Day. <laughs> there's Groundhog Day. Yeah, that kind of spawned its own genre. I guess you could I, I guess Groundhog Day might be as close as we get to secondary stories <laughs> based on uh based on holidays. I don't know. How how many uh how many of the other uh Die Hard movies take place on other <laughs> holidays. Surely one of them must take place around 4th of July, right? I feel like that's probably as close as we get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's it's not like a part of the story, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, Christmas Carol makes very little mention of the original story of Christmas. Like, yeah, It's remarkably secular. Jesus or Christ is only mentioned like once or twice and is alluded to a couple of times mm-hmm. as this nice guy we all we all know about now, like it's alluded to about as much as anything that one would write set in victorian england hmm. mm-hmm. yeah uh which has always been sort of a striking thing to me but i suppose at this point we should get into the text since we uh did <laughs> <laughs> so our first line and this is one that I think is really interesting uh, structurally. Marley was dead, colon, to begin with. And like, A, it's really cool to start a Christmas story with a death. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also there's a colon in the middle of it in a way that is really weird. Yeah, I'm curious about the 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 Victorian use of that colon. Yeah, I don't know if it's a... I mean, I've never seen a use like this specifically. I think it might just be... a like 
one-off poetic inversion. Because if you reverse it, it makes sense. To begin with, colon, Marley was dead. Mm-hmm. That would fit uh, a normal colon use. And I think he just swapped them to be weird, and I think it works really well. I'd actually like to back it up two more lines and point out that instead of chapters here, we have staves. We do have staves. As one would in a carol. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's just, you know, Dickens being cute. Mm. And uh, following that, Marley's ghost. So he's, first of all, telegraphing it in the in the subject of this stave. Then he's uh, teasing us with, Marley's dead. No, really. Very extremely dead. Let me repeat to you how dead Marley is. <laughs> in spite of the fact you've just read Marley's ghost. Hmm. So this is, this is... This is definitely Dickens having some more fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely. I th- it's it's funny. B- before we started, uh, I was making Braden uh, read this line, r- read this page in different accents, um, mm-hmm. and part of that was just because when I read it today, I thought about how not exactly conversational, but it's very you know it it feels like someone telling you a story. Mm-hmm. It has know? a strong voice. Yes. Uh, also, sorry, little sidebar. Uh, it looks like in later versions, uh, Dickens changed the colon to a comma. Huh. Um, oh. Which, which, which is kind of the way that, like, I think uh, you read it, Brayden, and also kind of the way that I would read it. Uh, yeah, I, I think out loud that. that's sort of how you read it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess you have to appeal to the normies. <laughs> um, but yes, it's so, you know, like... Like, like there's something kind of relatable about the distraction of like, I've used this, this cliche, dead as a doornail. And it's like, well, hold on. What does it mean? What the fuck? Why, why do you say dead as a doornail? Um, you know, and it's kind of funny that that, that second paragraph starts with like, I don't know of my own knowledge, what there is particularly dead about a doornail and ends with the wisdom of our ancestors is in the simile and my unhallowed hands shall not disturb it. Or the country's done for. <laughs> like, there's a real, uh, uh, like, it, it's very funny to think about this. But of course, uh, w- what he's also doing here is talking about like the the weight of history uh, and tradition. Um, hmm. Yeah. You know, he's like, I don't like, I don't know why we say this. It would make sense to do this other thing, but we've done this for for a long time, so maybe we'll just stick with it. Hmm. Or the country's done for, <laughs> which is. Uh, seems like a lot to uh, to put on uh, a simple simile. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, I think that's definitely ironic mm-hmm. and sort of maybe prepping us for the fun he's going to have with other uh, concepts of uh, like like he he's going to be inventing some 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 new traditions here, mm-hmm. like uh, like the the spirit of Christmas past and present and future are not like as far as i know are not established characters no also we do uh, uh through his body of work have a a bit of a perspective on what dickens thinks of the country with a capital c mm-hmm. um and it's uh whether it is or is not done for mm-hmm. so there's definitely a bit of a a smirk in that line that way as well yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny you, you mentioned that smirk because, of course, one of the things that I, th- 
well, I was going to say, of course, uh, hmm. it's funny. Whenever I start a sentence with like, of course, I always say something that's, uh, either something that no one else agrees with or something that I, by the end of the sentence, don't agree with. Uh, but, uh, of course we think about Christmas Carol as this sentimental tale of a, a man being turned back, uh, to the good path. Mm-hmm. So it's funny to, to see like these, like there, there is a little bit of a smirk here, uh, in some of this. Yeah. It's, it's it's a pretty meta first page mm-hmm. and it as i understand it it was written in like that like there there've been different versions of it it was written for a magazine i think initially but then he started performing it on stage and so the version that we read is probably probably takes a lot more from from the from the later like editing and additions that that were part of the the stage performance and that's that's how this kind of strikes me as like this is kind of an icebreaker Mm -hmm. this is to get everybody like start start with a little joke get everybody (laughs) sharing a sharing a moment Mm -hmm. in kind of a silly easy way i think it also makes more sense in the idea of a performance the way he drops in i so often right yeah like he's you know this is is sort of breaking that fourth wall of the the all-seeing all-knowing narrator that never really presents themselves as a person it's just the vehicle for telling the story but he interjects this whole paragraph saying i don't even know why we do this thing but we got to do it this way and then even as he continues on with the story we'll just drop this eye and he's just i mean i don't i don't think by the end of the story there's any better sense of who this person is except for the person telling you this story that they know for whatever reason right right it, it, it's always funny reading like some early works where people are very um aware of like the frame of like i found these letters and like i'm going to transcribe this story from the letters or like you know this, mm-hmm. like there's right mm-hmm. there, there's almost like a, a panic about like 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 how could you ever make something up for just for fiction's sake, you know, um, which I, I don't think we see here exactly. Um, I mean, I, I'm talking about like, you know, 1700s. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's far removed from 1843. Um, kind of reminded me of Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. And Dracula, other fantastical stories are that the, that's, that's kind of a tradition of the, the author trying to separate themselves from the, fantasticalness but you also see it in like uh scarlet letter which has a mm. like a 30 page introduction about how i found this in my uncle's attic or whatever uh-huh mm. yeah yeah i think i think as it goes on he, he uh dickens uh fades to the back a little more but i but i do if i recall he, he does you know maintain it to to a to a lesser extent the mm-hmm. the sort of uh what's what's the term an english major would use the the sort of personified narrator the mm. narrator with with an opinion <laughs> and a personality that's a good question uh <laughs> i'm sure there is a term for it <laughs> come on guys there's a, there's a few books uh about that um <laughs> yeah like the the point of view and yeah uh well, I can't remember which, uh, there's someone who particularly talks about that, you know, and 
where where we get like the the terms free indirect discourse and whatnot but yes actually you know what the other day i'll just say this the other day i forgot i forgot uh lacan's name i was trying to think of it for some reason and i realized that i had forgotten it so i am i am sufficiently removed from my my grad school days that i've forgotten things <laughs> that were central to, to 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 me entering grad school uh so that's fun uh how, how did that make you feel um i don't know that was a good question uh much like scrooge i i felt you know at first like this couldn't be real you know more more of gravy than the grave uh mm. about you. uh and then i felt like i was slowly dying um <laughs> but uh you know in kind of like a peaceful way i guess no i, I don't know um uh but no it was it was it, it was were, were I mean, you I, not so dreadfully cut up by the sad event <laughs> i mean actually i guess it's a it's a to to bring us back to uh the text a little bit it is interesting how you know we start with the death and then we end uh in the future with scrooge's death and what it might look like and whether people are going to be sad at his death right uh but mm-hmm. like like at all stages of his life, we see him change and like how those changes might be little deaths of their own. I shouldn't have said little death. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, Heaven for fend. Hmm. Um, Metaphorical deaths. Yeah. 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 Symbolic, symbolic deaths. Yeah. Um, well, the, um, the 1950 something Alistair Sim Scrooge, uh, or it's, it, it's called Scrooge actually, uh, they add a lot to, they add a number of events to Scrooge's life, all like, you know, typically Dickensian tragic moments and they all take place around Christmas. Oh God. So this, this sort of colors his, we're, we're led to believe this, this, this has colored his, his opinion on Christmas. Like his beloved sister died on Christmas and in, in childbirth, giving birth to Fred, the, uh, the happy-go-lucky cousin. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there like a, a movie or something that came out that was like young Scrooge that just focused on his early life? Or am I making this up? <laughs> I don't know. I love the idea of like, like you, you, you know how there's like a, a small subgenre of, uh, books told from other people's point of view mm-hmm. like i'd love to see like like yeah scrooge but from someone else's point of view uh, uh i don't know there is a, a book called young scrooge a very scary christmas story by rl stein <laughs> yeah. is that, is that not what you're what thinking, thinking <laughs> no i don't I, apparently i'm not I'm, I'm making this up in my head but and that's just the thing that dominates the uh, first page of uh, Google results. So there may still be more. And as Slappy the ventriloquist dummy observed, God bless us, everyone. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, I do love the uh, the jolly Christmas carols, stave one, and then there's a quick switch to Marley was dead to begin with. That's yeah. that's aces. Good job, mm-hmm. Chuck. <laughs> Um, how about, uh, the introduction of our main character? Like he, he comes second and we get only the vaguest idea on this, on this page of who this person is. He's 
serious. We're, we're led to believe that, uh, that if he signs his name to something, it's, it's, it's valid. He doesn't screw around. And, uh, he knew Marley and he got a bargain on his car. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But we don't know. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's sort of a little introductory joke. Like, like we, we don't actually know yet who Scrooge is, like what his personality is, but through the, like the context of that joke, we're, we're led to believe, oh, okay. He's joking about how this guy likes a bargain. So that's interesting. I do like how he, um, sort of like tosses Scrooge into the narrative. Like Scrooge knew he was dead. Of course he did. How could it be otherwise? Scrooge and he were partners for, I don't know how many years. Um, and just like, oh yeah, I think I, I think I remember like that. There is there's a sense as this goes on that Scrooge is a person that we, the audience, should be familiar with. This is a person that you've heard about, and I'm telling, I'm going to tell you a story that involves him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Scrooge is sort of a a foundational object in the narrative as we're presented with it. It's like we should know how things exist in relation to him, even though we're not expected to know. Uh, too much about Marley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a very kind of confidential, uh, conversational tone. Mm-hmm. Well, two things, uh, two things jump out at me now uh, after hearing you all talk about this a bit. Uh, one, so we start with like a Christmas Carol, you know, which sounds jolly, and then Marley's ghost. Marley was dead to begin with. Um, so we start with that death, and then in that that second paragraph we get that sort of humorous aside about like like why doornail which Mm -hmm. kind of sets the tone of like like yeah or at least sets the tone at the beginning that like yes we're going to be talking about death but like you know it's not going to be super scary to begin with and maybe you know the fact that we know what's going to come and we all have our own particular scars around the ghost of christmas future um (laughs) maybe starting off in kind of this this like cheerful you know like fun undertaker sort of uh uh tone makes <laughs> the <laughs> the encroaching dread of the ending like hit a little harder like if this started with like <laughs> you know like death is coming for us all then like you know at the end we'd, we'd just be like oh yeah death whatever i knew that from page one but here it's like oh yeah death is coming for us all but like why do we talk about this <laughs> this way <laughs> like why, why, you know, why a black cloak? Um, but the other thing, uh, and, and this, uh, I think I'm going to disagree with you here, Brayden, about uh, Scrooge being the second person we'd hear about, because the first person we hear about is Marley. Uh, he's dead. Right. But then we get, uh, the register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Right. Um, and that chief mourner is going to be Scrooge, but we don't know that until li- another paragraph. But we get this view of like, how many people are involved with, uh, with Marley's death. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though in a later paragraph, we hear that there was no one else involved with his life because Scrooge was his sole executor, sole administrator, sole assigned, sole residuary, <laughs> residuary legatee, his sole friend and sole mourner. Like there, there's that there, 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 there's something interesting going on there. I think in, in house Dickens is laying out like two long lists of people. Uh, one of those lists is many people, and one of those lists is just one person in various roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's not mm-hmm. like even good at all those roles <laughs> because his yeah. last role is mourner, <laughs> and he's 
he's not really mourning, you know? Um, I don't know. There's, there's something about, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's, again, it's funny because of course the premise of our podcast is that we read the first page of a book that maybe we don't know about, but we all know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to say that there's something interesting about starting with this view of society being many people, which is of course one of the lessons that Scrooge will have to learn. Mm-hmm. Well, he's, uh, he, he is part of that world of like the official and business world. Mm-hmm. There, there are people who, who interact with him and know him, but they don't like him. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. making jokes about him after he's gone. Mm-hmm. Now that's a good, that's a good, uh, counter, I think <laughs> to what I was saying. Cause of course the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker and the chief mourner uh, except, well, the chief mourner will, will hold off, but everyone else has purely like a functional and not necessarily personal relationship with the dead man. Right. Right. Yeah. It's much more about like, uh, how many times the death is witnessed in a legal sense mm-hmm. than about like how people are affected by it, mm-hmm. which I think kind of does double duty in on the one hand, like really showcasing how detached and like legalistic and business-like the society is and also you know providing extra hammers on the nail of the doornail the doornail (laughs) of his half joking repetition that we really 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 need to understand that marley is dead Mm -hmm. all these people can confirm that he's dead yeah right yeah no that 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 that's really interesting to me. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I just love how many times I'll, I'll switch my position on, on a thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it's really like, yeah, because, because this is not just a story about how Scrooge learns what Christmas is about. But this is, uh, in some ways, a condemnation of our society. <laughs> or no, yeah. deep in society as... As of 1843, which is totally of a of a work with his uh, with his other books, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you know, he's not someone who's like the real problem with society is this one person, you know? Yeah, uh, like um, he's like the real problem with this one person is society. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's always interesting how Scrooge isn't the villain of this story, even mm-hmm. if that's how people like talk about him in popular culture. This is a story about how society made Scrooge what he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or at, or at the very least, how society allows a Scrooge to uh, thrive. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. I do like the idea that someone said something uh, a long time ago uh, that kind of stuck with me about like, uh, they were saying something about how uh, patriarchy hurts men. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm. like the, the way we usually like, like the first understanding of patriarchy is that it is, uh, you know, condescending and limiting, uh, and dangerous to women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, when you think about it a little more, it's like, oh, it's also very constraining and narrow, uh, narrowing to the lives of men. Um, because mm-hmm. it's competitive. You're expected to compete. Yeah. And hierarchical. Mm-hmm. And as a very strict definition of what, what it is to be. Uh, you know what is masculine and what is acceptably masculine yeah yeah and if the whole 
power structure is based on the people who have the, this, these traits are the ones in power, then you have to constantly prove that you have those traits Yeah, if yeah. you're supposed to. There was a, a tweet the other day that I think talks directly to what, what you just said, Casey, about, um, I can't remember mm-hmm. who it was. Uh, y'all, y'all may uh, know better. Um, on, I think, the, the Graham Norton talk show, um, I don't know, was it Henry Cavill? Someone was talking about their Warhammer collection <laughs> uh, and like how, how much fun they got. Oh, yeah. You know, like how, how fun it is to like paint these little figures and like send them into war. Uh, and it's someone again, like, I, I don't know if it was Henry Cavill, but someone who is uh, an action uh, movie star of some sort. Um, so I really like, wanted to be Henry was, Cavill. I, I know he's huge, huge into The Witcher. It, it, it was. I, it was. I saw the clip. Yeah. Uh, but and, and, and someone pointed out, like, like, of course, like, so, you know, uh, his, his interviewer is kind of making fun of like, oh, like you like to, you know, play with these little nerd toys you know, or something. Uh, but someone pointed out like, like, why do we, why do we think that like adult men shouldn't have fun? Like, yeah. yeah. Like where did that come from? And like, who is that hurting? And like, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I really like the idea that like, like this is a story, not just about, uh, like the, like a, a very common reading these days is that, that it is, it is a, uh, what was the joke? There was a joke the other day about like how since we don't have ghosts, we need unions mm-hmm. to, to, to force uh, <laughs> capitalists to 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 pay laborers fair wages. Um, no, I think I, 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 some some union literally tweeted that, uh, which was nice. But there's something to the idea that this is a story about how Scrooge was failed by society. You know how he. Mm. narrowed his life to fit a certain definition of success. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to take a moment to sit with that. Yeah. I do kind of remember in watching the various versions of this and also in the play I was in, that the other part that I always found kind of uh, disturbing was Marley's ghost. Mm. That, you know, he was a very wretched character Mm-hmm. that's being punished for all of the things that you know scrooge is going to get out of being punished for mm-hmm. <laughs> and i always kind of remember thinking you know what happens to that guy i mean at the end of the story he's probably still walking around with his miles of chains you know, suffering for the the things that he did mm. i'm trying to remember yeah i almost feel like there's there's some mention of that I have a, I have this one chance, but I think it's just the one chance to visit him because they, because they are, they are friends. Mm-hmm. Ostensibly. They're, they're, they're business partners, but they're, but they're also friends in some way. And I don't think we ever get a great idea of what that friendship looks like other than they eschew the opportunity to stab one another in the back. Because mm. <laughs> that's a, it's, yeah, that's, that's an interesting, like, unexplored area that like the the friendship must have really meant something to to marley at least for him to to seek out scrooge through whatever channel he 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 had to yeah to 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 warn him don't end up like me Mm -hmm. well and not only that but like did he set up these other three ghosts coming to see him i think that's the uh, yeah i think i think that was also his, his his doing 
Yeah, I don't know if that's ever clear whether Marley is like a herald of a thing that's going to happen or uh, a guy who made some arrangements as part of maybe some backdoor deal at redemption. Hmm. Yeah. My, my assumption had always been that like some, you know, God or some higher power had decided that Scrooge was going to be sent, you know, these three, these three ghosts as his, his, his chance and then chose Marley to, to be the herald of it because of this, you know, connection they had with one another. But I think it's much more interesting if, if you think about it as, as Marley having his own agency in this and potentially being the cause of it rather than, you know, someone else's, uh, trumpet. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, I mean, if it is, if it is, uh, not arranged by Marley, it, it is, it does make sense to, send scrooge if they're gonna send scrooge these three uh opportunities to examine his life uh to to first send to to prime him with marley this person who who he has a direct connection with so that he can have a brief conversation with and therefore can't dismiss these also because he knows marley is dead Mm -hmm. right like that does sort of that's kind of perfectly in line with its whole page of like the only way that Scrooge is going to believe this is if he hears it from a guy whose corpse he saw. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I do like how, um, like there, there's a way in which thinking about, you know, like who gets a fair deal here and who gets kind of used, like, like why doesn't Marley get a chance to repent? Mm -hmm. Like there's definitely some like thematic, uh, and moral reasoning. Uh, to be to be done there um uh i do like that the four of us are just like what are the rules of this world like how many <laughs> like ha, ha, like uh what like what uh, ha, how many dots in uh in in materialization does marley have to uh, uh <laughs> sorry it's not materialization i can't mm-hmm. remember um but yes as a ghost uh how does he appear mm. um yeah i i have a vague memory uh which is probably false of like, uh, of, of Scrooge in some version, like seeing Marley, you know, redeemed. Yeah. I have a vague memory of that also, but, but in my memory, it's, it's, it's basically the end of star Wars, uh, where we see them as force ghosts. Um, so I'm not sure, like I said, that this is a real memory of, uh, uh, of a Christmas Carol, but there's something about that where like, you know, uh, this is Marley's chance to save a friend and maybe by doing something selfless, uh, he is redeemed. Mm. Mm. But then that, that of course gets into like questions of theodicy. Like, you know, Mm. it's like the classic, like, like how were people saved before the birth of Jesus? And they're like, Oh, well, of course, Mm -hmm. like Jesus went down to hell for three days. Uh, and, saved all the uh, righteous pagans mm-hmm. um yeah uh i didn't know that was a thing oh yeah the the harrowing the harrowing of hell mm-hmm. that's uh yeah that's cool yeah 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 i think i'd heard i think i'd heard of that but yeah that yep that hadn't really thought of it hadn't really occurred to me as a philosophical problem of like because because i never really wrapped my head around like like we were not a exactly christian 
household. We went to church, you know, on Christmas and maybe at Easter and we had Santa. But the uh, the, the finer points, the uh, the the trickier questions didn't really come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the logistics of the crucifixion get pretty weird when you dig in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but on that note, I think we're kind of looking at time. Does anybody have any final thoughts? Um, uh, I, I enjoyed this page. Yeah, it's a it's a really good page. I, I, I would read more. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very strong page in terms of, like, voice and flow. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, uh, it, it gets better. The, uh, w- once he, like, really starts laying into Scrooge on the next page. Huh. Uh, I mean, there's... So yeah, on the, on the next page, there's a little bit more confirmation that Marley is dead, mm-hmm. um, and then then he describes Scrooge in earnest. Oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner, hard and sharp as flint, from which no steel had ever struck out generous fire secret and self-contained and solitary as an oyster etc <laughs> solitary as an oyster is extremely good and also yeah. i believe yeah. extremely inaccurate uh vis-a-vis oysters oh are they sociable <laughs> i don't know that they're sociable so much as they they cluster ah uh, okay that'd be funny if it turned out that they were the most sociable of the bivalves <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny, like like one of the classic jokes uh, for school kids uh, when when forced to read Dickens in English class is, you know, that he was paid by the word, right? Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, I've got to read, you know, hundreds of pages of this for Tuesday because he was paid by the word. Mm-hmm. Like, why can't he just say someone was poor? Instead, we have to hear about like, you know, their shoes falling off and. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the drafty cottage they live in. Like, everything is so long. Every chapter introduces a new character because we need someone to talk about. We are. <laughs> but it's so interesting to hear this and hear, like, I don't know, all these lists that are going on, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something, I don't know, something uh, very interesting to me uh, about that. I don't have any theories about it yet, but... Uh, just... Yeah, yeah, like, like it's it's not every synonym, mm-hmm. but but it's the 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 ones that sound really great or that mm-hmm. you know have the have have this particular cast to them. Well, like, what what was that list you read about him having like a scraping, grasping, clutching? Mm-hmm. Like, like, how many different ways can we say it? Squeezing, um, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous. Six, hmm. and then old center. I mean, it kind of reminds you, you know, when you get off on a tear about someone who's really pissed you off or you can't mm-hmm. stand. It's, you know, the descriptions aren't concise. They're just, and they're usually repetitive, but there's mm-hmm. something very cathartic about that repetition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is expressing that there is a lot of feeling about this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. People are not neutral on Scrooge. Yes, we're we're going to get to enjoy his terror. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to have a real bad night. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. You know, but like it's entertainment for us. 
Uh, yeah, let's let's just do the whole book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. It's like one page a day. Hmm. One page a year. That's the next podcast. It's just going to mm-hmm. be a Christmas Carol. Yeah. We'll just watch all the different versions and. Yeah, it's I. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a great read. Uh, read it if you can. Listen to it read if you can. Uh, go see a play if you can. Watch the Muppets, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, where can folks find you guys online? Casey, I'm going to have you go first. You have a shorter list. Oh, yeah. My short answer is you can't. (laughs) But I do uh, perform on another podcast uh, called The Chimera, which I am on with both Vin and Brayden. Um, And uh, there's a little bit more information about me over there. And it's a lot of fun over there. So, come check it out. And as for me, I'm also on that podcast. And I forgot to mention the last two times I was on that I am on a third podcast called Greater Boston. Oh, yeah. Which is a scripted uh, dramedy about lots of people. Uh, But the inciting incident is that the red line train in Boston has seceded and become its own city. So it's a slightly offbeat drama about a society. And you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Braden Lamb. And that's plenty. Well, I hope everybody has a wonderful set of holidays or has been having a wonderful set of holidays. Uh, and I hope that the new year will treat us all better than the old year has. Yes. I feel like we've said that Every year for the past few years. Yeah, don't jinx it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us on Dark and Stormy Nights. I've been your host, Finn LeBate, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Reciprocity. You can find the games that I write at mrreciprocity.itch.io. And you can find my other podcast, The Chimera, at thechimera.space or on Twitter at ChimeraPod or on your podcast app of choice. And I've been your other host, Ben Blatberg. You can find me on Twitter at InCatastrophe. For show updates, follow Dark Knights Reads on Twitter or visit darknightsreads.com. And we'll meet you back here next week. Weather permitting.
Southern. Marley was dead to begin with. There's no doubt whatever about that. Noir. Marley was dead to begin with. There's no doubt whatever about that. Mm, a little Max Payne. Um, Rush Russian. Marley was dead to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. This is my little secret gift to you.